2 tonight. Let's look at a few verses together. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse number 19 with me. We'll pick it up here. Verse 19 says, Now therefore ye, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and, uh, with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly joined together groweth unto a holy, holy temple in the Lord. Verse number 22 says, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Our text tonight is verse 22, and we'll, we'll uh, work back up to it, but I want you to look at it again, verse 22. In whom ye also, talking about those who are saved, specifically in the context talking about the church, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I want to talk for a few moments on that thought tonight on God's habitat. Church family, we oftentimes, when we talk about the church, we look at the building as being the church. And the building is not, and I know you know that, but sometimes we forget. L listen to me tonight. When, when I drive down, it's, I, just again, I think it's just me because of the church here and getting to see how the Lord had put the buildings together. But it's a neat thing to come, come down the road and see the building for Heritage Baptist Church. And we often call that Heritage Baptist Church, but it's not. I was talking to a preacher today, and he had never been here before. And uh, I was talking to him in person. And he, uh, he said, I'm going to go to the airport at 4 in the morning. I said, well, at 4 in the morning, I said, <coughs> I said you're going to actually go drive right by uh, our church. And uh, I tried to explain. I said, well, it's exit 197. And, and this that fast, he says, are you talking about that, that brick building that, with that flagpole? And uh, I said, yeah, that's the one. And I'm just telling you, people notice the building. But I want to tell you, they ought to feel the difference of what a church is. It's not just a building, all right? And I'm thankful for the buildings the Lord's given us. And I want to tell you, he's been very gracious because there's a lot of people who don't have buildings. I was talking to somebody else today. It was, it was Brother Adam Langston. And Brother Adam Langston met in a hotel uh, conference room for years. And uh, here this last year, they were able to get a building uh, there in Junction City, uh, Kansas, and I said, it's a wonderful thing to have a building, isn't it? And he said, oh, it's just, it's just great. And obviously there's, pro, there's many pluses to being able to have a building. But what I want you to see tonight is the habitation of God is not this building. The habitation of God is God's people. And I want to deal with this for just a little bit. But I want to add to that, just in case I forget to say it later. Can I just tell you, there is something sacred about this building because it is set apart for a purpose. All right. Why do we not run around in the auditorium? Well, we, we had church services for years in what we called our gymnasium all-purpose building. We had church, then we moved all the pews out of the way, and then we played basketball. I am thankful for our children's sake that they can have a place that is set apart, that is sacred for us to open the Word of God, preach the Word of God, sing about God, and worship. It's a wonderful thing to have an auditorium like this or a building. But tonight, can I talk for a few moments on God's habitat, and I'm not referring to the structure tonight. I want to refer to you as God's people tonight. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God's blessing, and, and uh, we'll look at the scripture. Father, again, I want to say thank you for your word. Fill us with the spirit of the God. Again, help us tonight. Lord, thank you. Lord, may tonight's thought permeate our minds to think that every time we come together as a group of believers, that we're, you're dwelling with us. Lord, your habitat, your dwelling place. And Lord, may even tonight... Lord, not in a spooky way or even a sensual or physical way, but that we would sense your presence, that when we come and we come for church, that you could speak to us and we would hear like Elisha and Elijah, that still small voice. And Lord, you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we've already heard from Brother Sean Lunday. Thank you for the time in his life that you spoke to him about missions. But Father, may it not be just missions, may it be anything. That Father, we'd be surrendered to your perfect will and we'd do accordingly. 
And Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's return. Look at your Bible again. I don't know if I'm going to read the whole chapter tonight, but can I point out some things to you tonight? Look at your Bible in, at the beginning of the chapter in Ephesians chapter number 2. In verse number 1, he says, and, and, and you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. In other words, before, when you were lost. Now look at verse number 2. Wherein, in, what's the two words? Time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. Notice, before you got saved, in time past, what took place? Are you saved tonight? Say amen. amen. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. I grew up in a Christian home all my life, and I know what it means to grow up uh, and just hear it again and again and again. But you young people better grab a hold of this thing that we're not just being religious or having religion. We have a real God. And with a real God, you ought to come to church and ask God to speak to your heart and not think, okay, how long is pastor going to take tonight? You just may be thankful I'm not long-winded. That's all I've got to say. All righty? All right. <laughs> Anyway, God bless you. All right. Verse number two, wherein in time past. Verse number three, in whom also uh, we all had our conversation in what? Time past. Verse number 11, wherefore remember that ye being in what? Time past. All right, so Apostle Paul, um, uh, and he's writing to the Ephesian church. Paul's talking to these believers, and he's saying, you remember what things used to be like in time past, all right? How many can remember what you were like before you got saved? You raise your hand. If you remember that before you like got saved, you know, when, we, when you're raised in a Christian home, for me, I made a profession of faith when I was five, accepted Christ when I was 11. But when you're, when you're raised that way, you don't know what it's like to drink alcohol per se, or to do drugs, or to be, or immorality, or to have all the things that come oftentimes as a person gets saved later in life. But I want to tell you, you're saved just the same way. It's still the grace of God. You're still a sinner that deserves to die and go to hell. But God in his mercy allowed you to be raised in a Christian home. And if you were not raised in a Christian home, in his mercy, he called you and allowed you to get saved. And so your time passed before you got saved might not be as bad as the next person. But can I just tell you, it's just as bad because you were on your way to hell. Are you all with me tonight? All right, look what he says next here. So in verse number 2, verse 3, verse number 11, he's Paul, again, we don't, we're not taking time to go through these verses, really. Uh, again, the key verse, I think, is verse number 8, for by grace are you saved, in referring to time past. But look at verse number 13. What's the first two words? All right. But, but now, all right. How many brought your Bible tonight? Say amen. amen. Good. Let's see it. If you've got your Bible, hold it up. All right. All right. If you don't have a Bible, you should grab a pew Bible so you can at least act like you brought one. Bring your Bible to church. Duh. Okay, God bless you. I feel the spirit. All right, back to our reading in verse number 13. You know, sometimes I go home and my wife says, well, if you would just give us enough time to see where you were reading, we could say the words for you. So I'm going to follow her advice. Verse number 13. If you could look at verse number 13... If you could read silently verse number 13, the first two words. Now would you repeat with me the first two words of verse 13? Is that better? Oh, okay, you got it. Just got to have to slow down. That's all it is, all right? Okay, so verse number 13, he says, but now. What's the first word? No, 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 no. I'm giving you time to find it. What's the first? I'm being sarcastic tonight. We're not going to do this. I don't want to be sarcastic. I want you to catch the truth tonight, all right? What is the first word in verse number 19? 
All right, now, all right, so, we, so you're with me tonight. We understand that Apostle Paul in verses 1 through 12 is talking about in times past before they got saved, but now in verses number 13 on down, he's talking about now that you are saved. In verse 13, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, in verse 13, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In other words, you're saved because Jesus died for you. In verse number 14, for he is our peace who hath both, who, I'm sorry, who hath made both one and hath broken down. Now the word both there is talking about Jew and Gentile. He had made both one, both Jew and Gentile, who had broken down the middle wall of partition, verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, talking about Christ dying for our sins, verse 15, at the end of the verse, making us one, one new man, verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God, both Jew and Gentile, verse number 18, for through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, verse 19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the, what's the last three words, verse 19? All right, now church family, here's the thought tonight, okay? We're talking about God's habitat, and he's talking about the household of God. He's talking about what he spent all that time in chapter number two about. Before, before you were a stranger, you were an alien, you were lost in your sin, you didn't know Christ as your Savior, but by grace are you saved through faith. And, and now, verse 13 on, now you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. When he gets down now to the, toward the end of this chapter now, in verse number, uh, let me look at it real quickly here, verse number 19, he says, ye, talking about those who are saved, are of the household of faith. Now, the reason we say brother and sister around here because it's a biblical truth that we're part of a family now. We're part of God's family. John chapter 1, verse number 12. We became a child of God. We become as one family. All right, now look what he says next in verse number 20. He says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, I know I'm not a, a good drawer tonight, and I'm not, uh, not an architect you'll be able to see very quickly here. So I can pull this over here so that you guys over there can see. All right, now, I want you to see what he was trying to say, okay? In verse number 19, he, sa he says, at the end of the verse, this is the household of God. In verse number 20, he says, ye are built, all right? Am I, am I reading that correctly? In verse number 20, let me just find my Bible here again. He says, and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I know you see it, but I want you to see it on the board. G, uh, Paul, talking to the Ephesian church, is talking about the church as a building. All righty? So we're going to just pretend here that this is my, my building. Now in verse number 20, he says that the church is built upon, what's the very, now we're going to do it in the order that the verse says. In verse number 20, what's the, what's the church built upon? Foundation of what? Okay, now I know this isn't probably very straight, but let's see if we can fix it here. All right. He said that the church or the household of God, we can call it either one, is built upon, what's the foundation? All right, forgive me for not doing the right order. Prophets. And apostles. Now, read the last phrase after the apostles and prophets. What does he say? All right. So Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone is what the apostles and prophets were preaching about or teaching about. The Messiah would come. 
we understand that when he said, when he said the prophets, that's talking about the Old Testament, and when he's talking about the apostles, he's talking about the New Testament, and that our Bible is teaching us one thing, that this is the foundation that the church is sitting upon of the things of the prophets and apostles, and the chief cornerstone to it all is Jesus Christ. And does that make sense so far? All right? Now, this is important. I want you to look at another passage of Scripture that says almost the same thing. T turn over to 1 Corinthians with me for just quickly. 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to come right back there and finish this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at your Bible. Jump down in verse number, uh, let's just pick it up in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's, what's the word? Building. building. Now remember now, this is the principle tonight, that God wants a habitat. God wants a place to dwell with his people, all right? And that habitat is the church. Look what he says in verse number 10 now, Apostle Paul speaking, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the what? Who's the I there that have laid the foundation? Paul was. Paul said, I laid the foundation. That's exactly what, what is told us in Ephesians chapter number two, that the foundation was what the prophets and the apostles laid. Church family, think for a second here, all right? I'm a, we're gonna finish reading 1 Corinthians. What we have in our Bible in the Old Testament is several verses in the Old Testament, book of Joel, book of Isaiah. Uh, and we really, we could almost find it in every book of the Old Testament. It's a picture of either Jesus Christ or a story that parallels with Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross. The prophets being the Old Testament, the apostles being the New Testament. Everything in the New Testament points that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. All right, That's the foundation of the church. God's habitat. All right? Quickly now, look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here's what he says in verse number um, 10 again. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than what? All right, th I'm sorry, then that is laid, which is what? All right, so Jesus Christ. All right, so again, again, we could go to several passages of Scripture, but we understand that the church, which is God's people, those who are saved and baptized, is it, is it the building, yes or no? It's not the building. If we decided to tonight, we could all walk out those back doors and we could go to the parking lot and the church would still be together. The church would still be meeting because the church, according to Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved through faith. And he talks about those who put their faith in Christ. And now he's talking about not just a single person. He's talking about a group of people when he says the household of faith. All right. Now, so here's the thought. Jesus, uh, the church, which is, again, those who are saved and, uh, uh, saved and baptized believers, those who have come together, even like here. This church is built upon a foundation. It's what we have in the Old and New Testament called the Bible that we hold in our hand. Just remember, the whole thing about a church is its faith and practice is supposed to be based upon what? Hey, I believe with all my heart that the timing of this message is so important because of starting this church in Topeka. You do not have a church because you have a group of people. You have a church because its foundation is the Word of God, and, and the Word of God is founded upon Jesus Christ. Amen. That's when you have a church. There's a whole bunch of people out there that think they're having church, but they're not having church because they don't have a biblical church. Go back to Ephesians chapter number 2 now. Ephesians chapter 2, let's finish this out here. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to pick up verse 20 while you turn back there. It says, and are built, talking about the household of faith, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The church family, again, I'm not, being too, I'm not trying to be elementary tonight, but what's the first two words in verse 21? What's the first two words in verse 22? Okay, so now with that said, the whom would be a who. It would be a person. Am I correct on that so far? All right, so we understand that verse number, again, we just got done saying it, verse number 21, in whom, verse 22, in whom, goes back to verse number 20. All right, now let's talk. Where I know it's kind of acting like a school class tonight. But who's the people in whom that it's talking about? If it's going back to verse number 20, who is it? Okay, it's Jesus Christ. That's a person. That's the person of the Godhead. But that's a person in whom would be Jesus Christ. But not only Jesus Christ, it'd be referring to what else? The prophets and the apostles. All right, so now let's find out what's he talking about, the prophets, the apostles, and Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Look back in verse number 21. In whom all the building fitly joined together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom we also, that same, uh, that same uh, building that's fitly joined together, in whom also ye are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, the thought tonight I really want you to catch is this, okay? Whether the church is be, that is about to, Lord, allow us to start in Topeka down the road here, or the Heritage Baptist Church, what makes us a church is that that church is, is founded upon the Word of God, the prophets and the apostles, and that church upholds or is founded upon the one who started the church, which is Jesus Christ. Are, are we are together so far? Now, Paul makes some statements here that, that I want to just, again, just point out as our message tonight, and it's really the in whom, all right? In other words, the church, as far as us as a body of Christ. Now, let's look back at the Bible, look at verse number 21. Verse 21 says this, in whom all the building, that means all those who are saved, baptized, part of this membership, those who are saved, in, all, in, uh, in whom all the building fitly framed together. Now, can I just tell you that if we come down to verse number 22 and it talks about an habitation for God. Church family, I want, and I believe that, that, it's, that it's true, but I don't think we should forget that us meeting together on a Wednesday night is not just about us being at church, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Watch me now. The idea of us meeting tonight is that God has a dwelling place that he can come and meet with us. I know that we cannot see him, but God has always wanted a place. Listen, I don't want to, I'm going several different directions tonight. I know I cannot completely comprehend except by faith that God is meeting with us tonight just like he's meeting with some other church tonight that is founded upon the word of God that's founded upon Jesus Christ because there are more than one church. Amen. This is not the only church. That's why we're starting a church in Topeka. But that church in Topeka will only be successful. Let me, no, I don't even want to use the word successful. That church in Topeka will only be a church if it is founded upon the foundation of the prophets and apostles, which is the Old and New Testament, and it's a, and it's a, it's a church that is also founded on the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. If the church in Topeka does not lift up Jesus Christ, there's no church there. If that church in Topeka ever gets to a place where they do not believe the King James Bible as the very word of God and Amen. preach and teach the word of God, there's not a church there. It's a matter of you have to be founded upon God's word and you have to be founded upon Jesus Christ because that's what makes a church. A church is not the pastor or deacons or a Sunday school program or a children's program. The church is the people that is sitting in this auditorium right now that you are saved and baptized and you come to church, come together together tonight with a book you hold in your hand, which is the prophets and the apostles 
which is our foundation. It's what we believe, it's what we live, it's what we do. Now, I want to just quickly, I want to illustrate real quick more thing here. Can you hand me your psalm books right there and hand me those psalm books right there? Just give me three or four psalm books real quick right here. Thank you very much. One more. Thank you. No, you're good. Thank you very much. Church family, the word in this, this passage here, when it says that it's talking about this household and that it is fitly, it is built it because it is fitly joined together. Fitly joined together. The word fitly joined together means to compact together. Shishman, can I just tell you something? You don't have a church because we're, all, because we're all spaced out. What makes a church a place where God can dwell among them is because its members, and I'm using the word member, I should just use saved and baptized, its, it's saved folk are fitly joined together. Can I just tell you something? There's a lot of people who are having services, but God's as far away from that kind of place as can be, and he's not going to dwell among them because the congregation is not fitly joined together. They're, they're, they're not going in the same direction. They don't have the same mind. And church family, what, listen, listen to me. I know we're all different, but you know what makes us fitly joined together? <laughs> God... The foundation that we're all on. What makes us fitly joined together is the book that we hold in our hand. That's what gives us a common direction. You know, in uh, Exodus 25 and verse number 8, God told the children of Israel, he says, I want you to build me a tabernacle, and that sanctuary will be a place for me to dwell among you. When Solomon built the temple, you know the story. When Solomon built the temple, the, the Shekinah glory of God came down and filled the temple so the priest, could, the priest could not even go inside the temple because God came down and dwelt upon the Ark of the Covenant because he wanted to dwell with his people. In the New Testament, when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, that the Holy Spirit of God now dwells in the temple and that temple is your body. You ever thought about when Christ comes back, he sets his kingdom up. Jesus Christ will dwell, will dwell with him on earth and live and reign with him. But the end of the story, after the millennial reign of Christ, after the battle of Gog and Magog, after the great white throne judgment, that God said in chapter 21 of Revelation, new heaven, new earth. But in chapter number 22, it says that God will dwell with us Amen. forever. Amen. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is God has always wanted to be with his people. Can I tell you, there's so many church services that are going on that that's all, that is all it is, the church service. When God says, I have a building, and that building, the church, are those who are saved and baptized, that, that group that has come together, and it's my habitat. That's what the word is used. The word habitat means dwelling place. That's my habitat. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to come together. Where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. This, I know there's services that you come and you feel like, I'm, I don't want to, I hope I'm, I'm not trying to be unfair to you as far as speaking for you, but I speak for myself. I have sat there on thousands of services, there's no doubt, and there have been hundreds of services that I've left, and God did not speak to me directly. And I can't blame the preacher, and I can't blame God's word, can't blame the Holy Spirit. I can only blame me. But I would also say 
that in those services that I was oblivious to God, that because the church is his habitat, he was there and I didn't even know it. How many times do you come to church? You know, I got a little irritated a few moments ago. I'm sorry, I'll be honest with you. I got irritated because of a Christian school kid sitting in the auditorium right now. And it's written all over your face. When's this getting over with? I'm tired, I'd rather go home. I mean, I can't read your mind, but, but your face just shows you're here because your parents are making you. So you irritate me because I can see your face. <laughs> now I love you. But you know what the problem is? You've sat through so many services not even knowing that God's there. You don't even know he's there. You know what makes us a church? It's because this church is based upon the word of God. It's not based upon some pope or priest or preacher or pastor. It's based upon the Old and New Testament that for our faith and practice. Just look at your church constitution and look at all the scripture that is in there. Just look at your church covenant and look at all the scripture that is in there. This is not some man-made thing. This is a God-made thing because Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. So he built his church. Why did he build it? So he could be with you. God wants to speak to us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to show us. He wants to be with us. He loves us. I love God. You don't love him as much as he loves you. It's impossible. First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. I look at this and I see that uh, when you look at, look at, look at these, this passage here, that it is fitly joined together. In other words, we as a congregation, we've got to be together in this thing. Hey, listen, when it's time to sing, let's all sing. When it comes to the preaching, let's all get what the preaching has. When it comes to, to, to doing something as a, as a congregation, whether it's starting a church or whether it's putting tracks on doors, whether it's going, let's do it together. Let's be fitly joined together because that's when God says, I'm going to come down and dwell with those folks. Amen. All right, look what else he says. Not only that, he says not that not only were they fitly joined together, look back in your Bible again, Ephesians chapter 2. He says that in verse number 21, in whom the building, that's the church, uh, fitly, fitly framed together. Look at the next phrase. Groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Now, church family, here's what I, what I see is this. God says, I want to dwell with the Heritage Baptist Church because that's my habitat. And the only way that can be my habitat is if the church is standing upon the foundation of the Word of God in the found, chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. In other words, our purpose is to get the gospel to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, died for them so they could be saved. And then our faith and practice, based upon the Word of God, covers a whole lot more than that, how I live my Christian life, how I treat my spouse, how I raise my children. Everything is supposed to be based upon this thing what the prophets and apostles had spoken. And he says, if God's going to make this his habitat, it's got to first of all be fitly joined together, which I want to tell you something, church family, we ought not to be at odds with one another. Amen. L listen to me tonight. I don't know of anybody at odds tonight, but I want to tell you something. It's easy to be at odds and not know it because we've got that Baptist look. How are you? How are you? Nice to see you. And then as soon as you walk out the door, yeah, did you see what she was wearing? He is such a hypocrite. I don't even know why he comes to church here. I wish he'd get right with God. I'm just trying to tell you, that's not being fitly joined together. And if you want God to dwell among you and you want to come to a church service and God speak to your heart, then I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't be having odds against your brother and sister in Christ. Number two, 
what makes a church that God can make his habitat is a growing and holiness church. He says they're growing in a holy temple. They're, they're grow can I just tell you, if something is growing, that means, number one, it's not dead. And if something is growing, that means it hasn't finished its cycle of life or its growth pattern because it is growing. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. You need to keep reading your Bible. You need to keep praying. You need to keep asking God, teach me. Amen. What, what allows God to come in, in and out of the pews and, and whisper into our ear and move our church to do, do more for him? I want to tell you, it becomes his habitat when there's a growing people. Are you satisfied where you're at right now? Are you satisfied with what you know? Are you satisfied with, with, with just your Christian life? Do you want to read more, study more? Do you want God to do more in your life? Can I just tell you, that's part of growing. Amen. Not only this church that is God's habitat was fitly joined together, and it, and it grew in holiness. Look what he says next. In verse number 22, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God, and I'm, again, the habitation part is what we're shooting or looking, looking at tonight. But the last three words of verse 22, through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. What allows God to be able to have that dwelling place among us is spirit-filled Christians. And you are not a spirit-filled Christian if you're constantly putting dirt in. You've got to constantly be putting spiritual things in your life. What's something spiritual? The Word of God. What's something spiritual? Godly music. What's something spiritual? The brethren. You know, a spirit-filled church through the Spirit of God is allowing God to have a habitat, to have a place that he can dwell among us. Hey, I know he's, on, I know he's in heaven. I know Jesus Christ is on the right hand of the Father. But God's everywhere. Amen. It, it doesn't matter where we go. You can't get away from God. But wouldn't you like for God to rest here? The eyes of the Lord are in every place. I know God sees everything we're doing. But I'm just trying to say that the church house ought to be a place where we worship him from our heart. And God speaks to us and challenges us as Christians. And it's because he's here. What's that song that goes as far as um, the presence of the Lord is in this place? Is that what it's called? Jake, is that in our hymn book, by the way? Jake, are you in here? Where are you at? Is that in our hymn book? Just check and see. Uh, Stacey, you know what song I'm talking about? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You know, I think we sing a lot of things that really aren't true. It's like singing Sweet Hour of Prayer and you spend five minutes in prayer. I know there's a lot of things that we sing, but you know, I want to tell you something. It ought to be, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it ought to be that way every time we get together. And it doesn't matter if we're inside these walls or if we're outside. When this group gets together, the spirit of the Lord, Amen. God, his presence. So church family, whether it's Heritage Baptist Church or whether it's Topeka, Kansas, or whether wherever it is, Brother Sean Lunday, if God lets you, uh, lets you go, you're not Sean Lunday, are you? Are you Sean? It's your dad. What are you, what, who are you? Seth, are you sure? You love him? No, I, I know you love you. Does she love you? Do you love him? Do you just say that or do you mean that? You mean it? I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Seth. Seth's goal is to go over to Brazil so he can start churches. That's his goal. Well, Brother Seth, you're here tonight. I'm just telling you. 
You have no church if you don't have the word of God. You have no church if it's not about Jesus Christ. Heritage Baptist Church, God's been very good to us here. And I want to tell you why he's been good to us here. Because, not perfect, but to the best of our ability, we want to make sure that the word of God is the foundation of what we believe, our faith and practice. And we want to make sure that we're getting the gospel to a lost and dying world because Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And if we ever stop either one of those things, we no longer have a church. And God can write Ichabod on the back of the door and he can shut the doors and this church can completely close down. That church is planted in Topeka, and I hope the Lord comes back tonight. But if he, if he, if he doesn't come back tonight, and he, God decides this thing's going to go on for another hundred years, I would surely hope that there would be a church in Topeka founded upon the word of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. You know why? Because it's God's habitat. It's his dwelling place. Jake, is that song in our hymn book? You know the words? You don't know the words? Church family, you know the words to that song? Stace, you know the words of the song? The chorus, start us off. We'll just jump in. Go ahead. Presence of the Lord is in this place. You know, every time I get behind that pulpit, if there's anything that I want more than anything else, it's for God to speak to you. Amen. I guess maybe I, maybe I was judgmental tonight. I can't tell what's a person thinking, so... I can only see your faces. But I want so much that every service that God would make himself known. And I know it doesn't happen every service, but I want him to. My cousin called me at 4.30 today. I've, I've just gone all day, got back at 3 o'clock, <clears throat> 4.30. I just, you know, before, I don't, Wednesdays are, are very, are difficult for me because, because I believe so strongly that every service is a particular message for particular people. 4.30, my cousin called me and I said, uh, I said, so what are you preaching tonight? And well, he had his whole message completely lined out what he's preaching tonight. He was going through the whole thing, told me everything he was gonna preach tonight. And then he said, what are you preaching tonight? I said, I wish I know that, knew I, that's why I asked you first. <laughs> Service is never an outline. Never. If a missionary is ever going to speak behind the pulpit or an evangelist, usually it's a missionary, because not every missionary preaches. If I know ahead of time a missionary is going to preach, I have the secretary call them or I call them and I say, listen, I would like for you to preach that night. Would you please be praying for what God wants for his people? We, we don't need you know, some candy stick sermon that they've preached all over the place. We need the message for the hour. And you know what all that's about? Because this is God's habitat. I want God to speak to us. So what makes this Heritage Baptist Church a church is the foundation of the Word of God 
and that it's Jesus Christ is what we're pointing people to. We ever lose Jesus Christ as our focus and we ever lose the word of God as our foundation, I'm just telling you we no longer have a church. So what makes a church for God to be able to make it his dwelling place, his habitat? It's when a group of people are fitly joined together, growing in grace through the spirit of God. You get that to happen, you'll come to a service and you'll be able to say what we just sang. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? This is his church. You're his people. He loved you and died for you. May we as a collective body be God's habitat. How do we do that? We stay fitly joined together. How do we do that? We continually grow in holiness. How do we do that? We live a spirit-filled life that the spirit might make this a habitation for God. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. God's